And life is easy. Faith means that uh, we trust in God. Because remember, he, he didn't promise there wouldn't be troubles. In fact, he, he actually tells us many times in the Bible, there will be troubles. He promises he'll be with us. And that's why we're singing songs this morning like standing on the promises and, and in his time. Because God's got this. And the question this week is, where is God? Us. So last week's message was titled, God Knows What. We talked about what we want and what we need, and, and what troubles us. And we sought solace in God's word, and we were reminded that we can, we can take courage, and we can take comfort, and we can take peace, knowing that God is, control, is in control. And that doesn't always make sense to us when we're trying to be so rational about this. You know, we're trying to make the solution fit in the way we know and understand the world, but God doesn't work that way. He isn't confined by the rules of the world. God is the creator of the world. But we must admit that, that there are times that we still wonder where God is during times of trouble. And it's easy to think, you know, God must be near or God is blessing me when things are seemingly going our way. But sometimes we don't sense God or, or, and he seems absent or, or worse, we simply aren't thinking about him at all. Now you've heard me say that in times where God seems especially quiet, he is likely preparing to do a good, deep work in your life. He's just moving the pieces around to accomplish his plan. Some of the best things in my life came as a result of things in my life that I was praying against. But God took this mess and this mess and meshed it together, and now we've got this wonderful thing. But what about these days? We have a global pandemic occurring, and people are dying by the tens of thousands and getting ill by the millions. At a time when we need God most, and I'm going to correct myself here and say I'm, I say we need God the most, but I'm just going to argue that we, we always need God. But we are aware now. We are most aware that we need God in times like this. But during times when we need God's most, the churches are closed or they're limited to smaller gatherings. It would seem that one of these what that is troubling us is, is, is fear, anxiety. Where is God during this? Is he in the building that we weren't able to go to on a Sunday morning? Well, yes, but no. I'm going to digress for a minute. This past Wednesday evening during our online Bible study, we looked at the story of Mary and Martha. And you may recall that when visiting their home, Martha rushed around being a good hostess, right? She was preparing the food and, and taking care of things and just running around getting things done. Didn't say anything about her, her character, just she was getting things done, okay? Mary sat quietly at Jesus' feet and listened to him speak. Martha, feeling like she was being left to do all the work, told Jesus to have Mary help her. That just cracks me up. I'm going to run to God. I'm going to, you know, talk about telling dad on you. I mean, I'm telling the dad, make her help me, right? Make her help me. And Jesus simply said, Martha, Martha, you're worrying about a great number of things, but there's only one thing to worry about. And that's an excellent lesson. And its application in today's crisis is this. Maintain your focus squarely on your Savior, Jesus Christ. Don't focus on the things you can't control. Be responsible for the things you can't. Protect your health. Do, you know, protect your finances. Do what you can to be, you know, a, a good citizen. But don't focus on the stuff you can't control. Focus on the one who is in control. Now, the story of Mary and Martha is often taught as an example of how we should set our priorities. Right? Everybody says, well, Martha's the bad one. She's rushing around. We should all be sitting listening. But I did something a little different. During the Bible discussion, I included a commentary from another author who titled his article, Martha Gets a Bum Rap. Okay? His contention was that Jesus was, of course, correct in his lesson on, of focusing on what's important. 
but that the busyness of her task wasn't the sin. Her sin was the failure to pay attention to Jesus even while busy. And the author cites scripture itself where it tells us that all things should be done as an act of worship. And likewise, the weeks before, we studied the letter from the apostle Paul to young Timothy. And Paul was giving specific instructions and following it up with reasons Timothy should be motivated to continue the ministry in this far-off land by himself. And every one of the motivations that Paul listed was in regard to the character of God himself, one of which was omnipresence. And there was omniscience and omni, you know, all these omni-words, God's all-knowing, all-powerful, omnipresence. And this means that literally God is everywhere. And he was with Timothy, and he's with you. This promise made by God goes all the way back to the beginning of the Bible. Actually, it goes all the way back to the beginning of mankind. And it was captured in this morning's scripture. Remember that Sherry read, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. God said it. It's in writing. He doesn't lie. He doesn't change his mind. That's a promise. God is with you wherever you go. This brings me back to the question I asked a moment ago. Was God locked away in these buildings we call churches while we were required to stay away? Of course not. God is certainly present with us here today. Matthew 18, 20 says this familiar verse, where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am with them. But let me tell you this, tomorrow morning at 10 a.m., you won't be here. At 10 a.m. tomorrow, we will all be spread out doing whatever that we do on a Monday morning, and guess what? God will be with you there. How easy that is to forget. And tomorrow won't be a horrible day for you, at least that's my prayer. But as a result of this relative peace, you may not even realize or even care that you're not alone. Now let's get back to the global crisis, okay? Actually, let's look at a couple of global crises. Throughout history, there have been many times the population, the general population, thought the world would literally end. And here's just a couple examples, and they were, I found a whole list. 2800 BC, Assyria, they were convinced the world was ending. 634 BC, Rome's founder said that the, was visited by 12 mystical eagles. Okay, so I know you're raising an eyebrow, but people generally broadly believe this stuff. It says panic gripped the Roman Empire in the last years leading up to the 120th anniversary. They thought everything they knew was going to collapse. 1284, the Pope himself prophesied that the world would end in 1284, which was 666 years, that was intentional, after the rise of Islam. Okay, 1284. There were floods in 1524, and everybody thought that was an apocalypse. The fulfillment of biblical prophecies ended that the world would end in 1697. We're not even to our century yet, you know? May 19, 1780, black skies over New England likely were caused by forest fires or fog, and the settlers of that time were convinced the world was ending. That was the end of life. Earth passing through the tail of Halley's, Com Halley's Comet would snuff out all life in 1910. Not believed by all, but enough that people were concerned. You know, if they had bottled water and toilet paper back then, they probably were stockpiling it. Jehovah's Witnesses had prophesied that the world would end in 1914, 1915, 1820, I mean, 1918, 1920, 1925, 1941, 1975, and 1994. Okay? Large groups of population convinced the world was then. This is it. Everything's over. 
The Hadron Collider, this big particle accelerator, would create a black hole that would suck the world into it in 2008. The end of the Mayan calendar in 2012, remember that? They even made a bunch of movies about that one. And the geometry of the pyramids of Giza calculated the world would end on September 23, 2017. Okay? That's just a list, I and mean, that's 15 of them, but there were so many more. And not everyone believed that the end times, but there was certainly a substantial movement that did, and there was fear and there was anxiety, real fear and real anxiety in these people. And we look at this in hindsight, we say they were superstitious or paranoid, but God was there. And God was with man there, then, and he's, God is with man now. But we as Christians are told in scripture about end times, the rise of false prophets and false teachings, love of, of many Christians growing cold, traditional morals becoming less accepted, wars, national conflicts, earthquakes and disasters, number of people abandoning their faith, famines, anti-Semitism towards Jewish people worldwide. Now this is scary, because when you hear this, you think, wait a second, that sounds a little like what I'm watching in the news. But this isn't the first time we've heard that as well. And I want to convince you, no one knows when the world's going to end. Jesus doesn't either. It says no one knows but the Father himself. And I'm not preaching apocalypse. What I'm preaching is faith. Okay? Faith. And maybe it's about to happen, maybe it's not. But in history, a lot of times things have happened and we've all said, oh my gosh, what's going to happen next? How are we going to make it? And guess what? We made it. Because one thing has remained the same and that's God's presence. Where was God during his times? Exactly where he is now with us. So the image I created for the background slide, it's a side mirror of a car. The message I'm trying to convey is that God's behind you or next to you. Because sometimes he's one or the other. Sometimes he's in front of you, leading you, right? Pulling you along. And sometimes he's carrying you through, through something. But if you notice the printed message on the bottom of the mirror there, you can read it. It says that on everybody's car, right? What does it say? Objects and mirror closer than they appear. That is so true of God the Father and our Savior Jesus Christ. They love you so incredibly much that our words can never fully describe it. The Bible attempts to convey this love by saying things like the heights of the heaven all the way to the deepest seas, as far as the east is from the west. I mean, truly immeasurable things. And that's the best it can do. We still can't gather that in our mind but it's certainly easier and better displayed than it is described. And the Bible is full of examples and descriptions and proof of God's love for you. And all you have to do is open it and read this love letter. Full of these promises we talk about. Full of reasons for hope and faith. So where is God during this, during this pandemic? Maybe that's not your biggest fear. Maybe it's during other health issues you're facing. During your financial struggles, during your relationship strain. Where is God at during all this? He's closer than he appears. You see, when I started preparing this message a few weeks ago, I was going to focus a part of the lesson on the answer, well, where did you last leave him? Or where did you last see him? Because this, this is, I'm still in Mother's Day mode. Remember the mother comments from last week? I said, what are some mom sayings? You guys had a whole bunch of them. It's what it reminded me of, you know. Certainly words that I would hear if I was searching for my car keys, you know, where are, your car, where are my car keys? Well, where'd you leave them? Where'd you see them last? Because the keys don't move on their own. Wherever they're at, that's where they're at. If something is missing or not supposed to be, it's obviously the last place it was left and the last place you'll look. And as I was reviewing the, the words of Scripture, I realized that is not correct with God. He doesn't stay where you last saw him, and he certainly doesn't stay where you left him. That's because your God continues to be with you. Scripture says that he pursues you. It uses the word, he pursues you. 
This is one of the major differences between Christianity and other faiths. We don't pursue God. I mean, we strive to be God-like and have his character and learn about him. We don't pursue him, right? We aren't seeking enlightenment. We aren't climbing ranks, ranks or earning rewards. We have a God that so desperately loves you that he will work with you. He will wait for you, he will guide you, he will lead you, and he will accept you because that is what he wants and that is what you need. God pursues you so you don't have to pursue him. You just turn to wherever he's at because he's here. And friends, God is terrible at social distancing. He is. And that's what makes him great. As we've all struggled with the uncertainty of the current situations, one of the emotions that we may feel is fear and a little anxiety. And I used to think, you know, fear is the antithesis of faith. I mean, it's a big word. It means if I am scared, then I must not have enough faith. And, and I try to use that to kind of encourage myself or bump myself back to center when my faith was being tested. But as I thought about that, and the more I studied, I realized that's kind of condemning, and that's not the way God works. Okay. As I've matured, I said, yeah, I realized, actually, I didn't realize, I just came to understand better that fear is just an indicator. It's like a gauge that shows when there's something that needs your attention. It's a little warning light. I'm afraid. Well, what am I afraid of? Or more importantly, why am I afraid? Fear does not define you. Even your response to fear doesn't define you. The only thing that defines you is God. Okay? So listen to the wisdom of, of the Apostle Paul's words from Philippians 4, 6 through 7. You'll know these. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Does prayer defeat anxiety or fear? No. But it's an important part of the solution. And I want to just take a few minutes to unpack that passage because there's so much good stuff in it. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, some translations say supplication, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It says petition or supplication. It says, you're saying, God, I need you. It's not just, God, I want this. I mean, certainly you are asking, but, but part of supplication is, God, I need you. You're, you're putting yourself out there. And thanksgiving, you're grateful. You're grateful that you can pray. You're grateful that you have a God that listens. You got, you, you're grateful that you can even stand in his presence. Because the Old Testament God, which is the same as the New Testament God, but he was under the Old Covenant, said, I have to go to this person so they can go to God. Now I can go to God directly, or I can go to, through Jesus if I need that advocate, right? With the Father. That's what we're thankful for. In prayer, it's, it's, not, it's not based on a feeling. It's based on a need, a need that we have. And this last sentence I love, this God will guard your hearts and your minds. Well, why do we need protection? Why do we need guarding? Because anxiety is a distraction. Anxiety is an energy drain. And this is contrary to the greatest commandment. Do you remember what the commandment is? It says, love the God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul right? It takes everything you've got. And anxiety is contrary to this commandment because it takes up time and it takes energy and it takes up space within us that was meant for God. 
And it prevents us from devoting our whole mind or our whole body and our whole spirit to God because we've got something in here that's just nagging at us. Be anxious for nothing, Paul wrote. Do you think he was without fear or anxiety? I mean, he's human. I mean, he's doubtful. And he certainly had to learn his lesson the same way we do, by, by testing of his faith and by exposure to a refining fire. It's, you know, that's the, the, the metaphor that's used in the Bible. But, you know, that's how they get the purest metals. They have to burn off all these impurities. The other side of crises like these are stronger, better faith. Perhaps this pandemic is a season that will be refining for us. Perhaps it's not the pandemic. Perhaps you are or will be facing another season in your life. You know, 2 Timothy 4.2 says, Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season to correct, rebuke, and encourage just with great patience and careful instruction. Be prepared in season and out of season. There's really no off season, is there? It's just a different season. You know, even with the garden, you know, even when you're not planting, you're preparing for next year, right? Everything is, is just the season before, the season following another season. Spring, summer, fall, winter, it all has a purpose. And the timing may be different in different parts of the world, but the cycle is always the same. Spring, growth, new growth, summer, fall, winter, goes dormant. And it, but in the meantime, it's all preparing for this new growth. And I love where we are in the world that Easter falls in spring. What a great reminder of new growth and new life. And God is with you in all seasons, whatever season of your life you're in. If you're in a fall where it seems like things are just kind of wilting and declaying or it's just quiet, God is with you. If this is your springtime, just life is great and trucking along, God is with you. And if you're winter, if you're in winter, he's, you know, you're kind of buried under the snow, He's working, planting those seeds. Nothing can come between us and God. But there's a difference between what God allows and what causes. And this is the big question. Why would God allow trouble? You know, what? there's a lot of questions that are unanswered, and these things require faith. Why do good things happen to better? Bad things happen to good people. And next week we're going to look at that, and I'm actually going to turn it around because I'd like to think we're good people. So what happens when good people happen to bad things? And we're going to dive into that scripture and get some answers and get some guidance to these questions when good people happen to bad things. And I hope you'll join us. But let me leave you with this quote from a pastor. He says, The current global pandemic will create interest among churchgoers and non-religious people about the, what the Bible says about plagues, disasters, and the end of times. Think that's true? Even non-religious people are curious. The urgency pastors feel is less about stockpiling toilet paper and more about helping people be ready for Christ's return. Now, is this indicating Christ's return? I don't know. You know, none of these other things did, but it's still coming. And it's still something we need to deal with, this pandemic, and it's something we need to prepare for Christ coming again. Okay. So I want to I wanna just pause for a moment. There's a song by a, a Christian singer named Lauren Daigle who's got a phenomenal voice. And the, word, the song is simply, I will trust in you. So I've got the words, the music. Um, you'll push that back there. And let's just enjoy this for a moment. Thank you. 
Good song. Great message, though. Great message. I think the, the value is in the lyrics, and, and I love that. There's not a place I could go that you haven't already stood. Not a place I'd go that you haven't already stood. There's comfort there. God has made a lot of promises, and the last words of that song repeated over and over is a simple promise back. I will trust in you. I will trust in you. This is the message we're called to share with others, not just to love it and leave it and live it ourselves, but now that you know, what are you going to do with that? Friends, let's partner for the purpose of our Savior and for the sake of our souls in reaching people in his name. Will you be a partner in this endeavor? We can do this. Let's pray. Father God, the... It seems like we're in the greatest uncertainty of all times, but there have been times of uncertainty throughout history. And one thing has remained the same, and that is you and your presence. God, we know you are here with us now in this room. God, we know you are here with us when we leave. 
So as we leave, let us be changed for this reminder of your promise, this reminder of the promise we need to make to you. Let us go in this world with courage and confidence and comfort and peace, knowing exactly the one thing we need to know, the one thing to focus on, and that is you, because you go with us. You go ahead of us. You go next to us. You carry us. You pursue a relationship with us, and you will get us through whatever it is we need to get through. So even if we wonder where you are, even if we wonder how this could happen or why this could happen to us or somebody we know, whether it's the pandemic or, or something else, we know one thing. You are here with us at all times. God, as always, I just want to thank you for this building, this church, this congregation, those who have come before and established it. God, even... In these last couple weeks where we've had to take a break from meeting in this traditional way and we're kind of working our way back into it, even with some of the rules, God, I thank you. We come to you with petition and supplication saying, God, we give this all to you. We are so thankful that we have this opportunity that was created by the work you've done in the lives of people before us. Let us be a part of this history, not only of the Golden Beach Community Church, but of your kingdom in this area. Lord, I thank you for the opportunities you're going to create this week for all of us. Help us to seek them out. Help us to take advantage of them. And may all we do please you. God, I thank you for everyone here, everyone listening online. May we all be blessed. And God, continue to lead us in your way. Amen.